Hello and welcome on into episode number four of this PHFL NFL podcast, our uh, week six review. Joined as always by Kai and Mikey. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Barbie. I'm back and better than ever. Yes, that's what some people say. Not sure Unfortunately, how, how, <laughs> how many people say it, but some people do. And hello, Mikey, Me. as well. I see you hiding down the bottom there. Sort of just checking some final final notes for the podcast. <laughs> that's Mikey being really organised this week, there, as always. We're always really prepared, doesn't everyone know that? No. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any Thursday night football to talk about this week because it got moved because of uh, all the games being moved about last week for COVID. So we're on to our Sunday slate of games. And the first one of those um, was a game that has been delayed from the week before. So again, surprise, surprise, COVID-related uh, stuff happening again in the NFL. But it was the Denver Broncos travelling to the New England Patriots. The Denver Broncos managed to win 18 points to 12 without scoring a touchdown. Uh, the kicker on the Twitter was uh, saying something about that as well, saying to, that there was only something like 5% of players in fantasy who'd actually started them, and maybe you should be starting them more often. Um, it's like after last week now. <laughs> but uh, I've just got down here, it was poor from both offences. I didn't think it was a very good game. No. When the only touchdown comes from a one-yard rush from Cam Newton, which is bread and butter to him, to be fair. Um, it just it really wasn't very good at all. Um, <clears throat> like you say, Brandon McManus will probably have the sorest leg in the world. Uh, he would have come off on Sunday night with one leg massive, one tiny wee puny <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, on, the, on the Denver um, side of the ball, Lindsay uh, did well in the absence of Melvin Gordon, who was apparently absent because of illness and nothing to do with the DUI offence that happened. Yeah. The, illness meant, the, il- the illness meant that he was hungover. That's what he meant by that. <laughs> Very possible. They managed to cover that up quite well. Um, Cam Newton was the leading rusher um, for the New England Patriots. No surprises there. Uh, some of the breakouts that happened in previous weeks for some of the running backs didn't happen this week. And uh, through a couple of interceptions, to be honest, I just think neither of these offences are uh, were particularly great in this game. Yeah. I don't, I don't think too much can be taken from the Patriots side of the ball because what happened to the Patriots this week is what I was expecting the Titans to play like last week, just coming out of the wrong bye week that they were meant to have and being sluggish. Um, because of COVID, um, that's what I, th- I feel. That's what happened with New England this week. Obviously, they they had Hoyer in uh, last time they played. Uh, this time they had Cam back, but just an overall sluggish performance. Nothing was clicking for them. Um, yeah, that that's what I expected the Titans to do last week uh, when they came out. Um, but yeah, it's just it wasn't the best of games, as we said. Brandon McManus, what was it, twenty four fantasy points? Um, he's been brought in on one of the leagues that I've got a kicker in. So, yeah, it'll be guaranteed you'll only get like three points this week or something like that because that's what happens in fantasy. Last week, did you say? No, no he was on the waivers last week. So, ah. I, came up. The, uh, I, I was giving you this stat before the, the week that Bill Belichick at Gillette had only lost to one first or second year quarterback before this game, uh, with that being Colin Kaepernick. Uh, the start of this, uh, start of last decade, sorry, uh, but this is the second time in. 30 odd attempts or something that a first or second year QB has won against Belichick and Gillette so on the, uh, on the subject of facts the other one that I came across was um, so the Patriots have a losing record through the first five games of the season 
It's the first time it's happened since 2001. In 2001, they finished 11 and 5 and won the Super Bowl. Can I make Adam's outlandish uh, prediction uh, that they're not going to win the Super Bowl? This week. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't suggesting that they would. Um, I think I don't think it takes a a scientist to work out they're probably not going to win it again. Um, I'm but, saying nothing because Bill. You can. I was going to say Bill with Bill Belichick. You never know. He might start under centre one week, knowing him. I don't know if I'd want to see that, to be honest. But I think the fact that we're talking about all these stats tells us that the game wasn't particularly interesting. No. So we can move on to the next one. That was hopefully a little bit more interesting. And for me, it certainly was. You had the Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, The Titans won 42-36 after overtime. And my first note here is Henry is a beast. 212 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Mikey. Any. I just, I just love the guy. I genuinely <laughs> just love Derek Henry. I don't know if it's because I've got him in both in both teams in fantasy this year, but um, I think me and Kai were talking the other day about um, not last season, but the season before, because uh, he obviously won the Russian title last season. So two seasons ago, he wasn't. I wouldn't have put him in the elite running back category. Two seasons ago, good running back, um, but I just, I don't know if he was just waiting to come through. But I mean. I was hearing about some of his high school stats and things like that and college stats. Just crazy, crazy numbers. Um, and I actually remember the kind of first time, I think it was last season against the Jags um, when he had that big 100-yard run um, where he face-masked someone down to the floor. Guy's just, the guy could be a defensive lineman easily. He could be playing alongside Aaron Donald or something like that, but he's playing at running back. And that uh, 90-yard run that he had the way he just ran by those defensive backs as if he was Henry Ruggs or something like that, or Tyreek Hill. It was insane for a guy that's like, what, 250 plus pounds? I, think I don't I, understand. I think I said that when we were watching it, that it's not fair that a man of that size can run at that pace. Yeah. It's, let's just say... Let's what just what say was your comment? I'm pretty sure you said, do you think if you, you and Derek Henry both ran at each other at full pace, full do you think you would die? <laughs> <laughs> and I think you said you'd probably never walk again. Let's just put it that way. Aye. But I, I, I guarantee that those t- uh, Texans DBs will be doing a lot of sprints this week to try and maybe catch up with next week's running backs. But yeah, just a ridiculous performance from Derek Henry. And I, it's... It's one of those where you're not surprised to see it because this is just this is just part and parcel of his whole package. Like it's it's just the way he is. I actually feel a little bit sorry for Houston because uh, at one point I thought they were going to win that game. You know, uh, yeah. Before Tennessee got that touchdown at the end, and then uh, and then obviously won it in overtime. For for Houston's side of the ball, um, quite an unusual occurrence that they're starting running back, they're starting tight end, and their three starting wide receivers all got a touchdown each. So all, all five of the skill positions uh, actually got a touchdown. Um, but they still lost the game there. Um, I thought it was a better performance for Houston than it had been in the yeah. past. They, they looked more Texans-like, or trademark Texans, uh, what you've probably come to expect of them in the last season or two. Um, but I think, I, I would say the the most significant point in the game, in my eyes, and I think it tells you all you need to know about Ryan Tannehill and the Titans this season, is when um, Deshaun Watson saw that the Texans had lost the toss and he just yeah. sighed and rolled his eyes. He knew, I, he knew fine well that they'd, I think they'd, lo- I think he knew they'd lost then, because I, what, I think it was like four plays after they got the ball at start of overtime and the ball was in the end zone. Like it's um, very, very efficient. 
Tannehill's twelve and three as a starter since he joined the Titans, I think. Uh, which is a pretty impressive record. Yeah, it's it's and his uh, his stats. I think I talked about them last week in comparison to uh, to Lamar Jackson as well. What like were somewhat comparable, and Jackson got MVP last year. So you know, like it shows that Tannehill is doing a good job he just there. Flies under the radar. Also shows you that I, I Mike, Mikey traded for him uh, in Dynasty this week as well. So Mikey must like Tannehill. Yeah, I brought him in. Yep, needed a, a set and forget quarter, uh, quarterback. And I think Ryan Tannehill is, a, an, is easily a top five fantasy quarterback from here on out and for the last since he basically started for the Titans. Um, but one thing I, I kind of noticed just with the, the amount of receivers that um, Deshaun Watson threw to, this was kind of the first performance. I know they lost, but this was the first performance where I thought they didn't really miss DeAndre Hopkins as much as they have in previous weeks. Uh, Will Fuller, 123 yards. And then you had uh, Darren Fells with 85 yards. Brandon Cooks with 68. Then a few other rec- uh, receivers down the 10, 20-yard mark. That If they, they can continue to keep this up, this week was a tough matchup. If they can continue that, I don't think they'll have any problems. I think we spoke about last week um, the fact that Atlanta Falcons were 1-6 to start the season last season and then finished strong. I think this will be a similar kind of season for the Texans. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think now that the Bill O'Brien year is over, we'll start to see this team put together results. Well, my my coupon hopes you're correct, Mikey, because I did put Texans to win this division uh, at the start of the year. So I'm hoping that they do do really well, get to the playoffs and win this division. But I mean, something that, for, tells for me they might happen, not do that well. <laughs> for that to happen, I think Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill would have to run into each other for, for that to happen um, and both be injured for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, Titans looking fantastic. I mean, I know they got to the FC Championship game last year. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody really took them seriously, even at the start of this season. But to be what, one of the only three teams left undefeated, they're looking legit this season. Yes, I totally agree. Um, I almost feel silly for not thinking they were legit because I mean their team really yep. hadn't changed yeah, much since last season, <laughs> so there was no reason that it it shouldn't have been legit. But the more the more you know, the benefit of hindsight. But uh, certainly, I think uh, I think both those teams are actually quite good, especially now there's no Bill O'Brien. So yeah, uh, I think that AFC South will be fairly competitive. Minus one of the teams, who I'm sure I'll talk about later, because we all know my hatred of one of the teams. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the next game um, which was the, the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, the Steelers I mean, I mean has demolished the fair word to say there 38 points to 7 yeah. um, Baker was benched halfway through the, the second half with an injury apparently I mean apart, 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 apparently there this. was an injury um, but yeah benched How I don't know how many times a week, teams bench someone because they're playing so badly and then all of a sudden this phantom injury appears. Now, I know Baker Mayfield went into that game with some sort of injury tag on him, but that's just an easy way out when he's playing bad. He was I don't think he was playing bad because he was injured. I think he was playing bad because he's rubbish. I think he was playing bad because that Pittsburgh Steelers defence is unbelievable. The uh, pass rush in that, that defence. That Pittsburgh yeah. team is unbelievable, I would say. I mean, we were, I don't know about you two, but before kickoff on Sunday night, I put in our predictions, which we'll speak about later, and I was, this was the one game all week that I was on the fence for. I was like, I don't know how this game's going to go. I was, I had, I think I put down the Steelers, and then as soon as I sent it into the group, I was like, no, 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 I want to pick the Browns, I want to pick the Browns. But 
very glad that I didn't change my my opinion because the Steelers just poured a, a big bucket of ice all over the hype train that is the Cleveland Browns at the moment. Um, I think if the Browns had won this game, it was more important for the Browns to win this game because they need to look like they're a legit playoff team. Steelers and Ravens are legit playoff teams um, and the Browns want to be. And with them all being in the same division, it's a very, very tough division. Um, this game was massive. I think even if you had a Titans-Texans-style performance where the Browns lost in the same fashion that the Texans did, there would be plenty of positives to take, but that that must be a gut wrencher to to know that you have to probably face the you have to face the Steelers once more, play the Ravens twice as well, and still try and make the playoffs ahead of them too. It's looking like it's going to be an uphill battle, even with a winning record. Could um, could the Steelers be a dark horse for this year? I don't. I, I, dark horse. I, think I, I, I say like dark horse, as in if you coming into this season, I don't think anyone would have sat and said, "I think the Steelers will." very comfortably win that division and be a really good playoff contender, which they will be. I think that's beyond doubt now. But could to be a dark horse for the full thing to get to the Super Bowl? I think I think they actually they could. I think uh I agree at the start of the season, I think because of what happened last year, you know, and they, yeah. they were so poor. Now I know they didn't have Big Ben, but everyone has recency bias. They went, Oh that team wasn't that great. Is Big Ben gonna do enough to that team that didn't work to function make it at all. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it appears a... so far the answer is yes. And I think, though, to be fair, it's mainly on the defensive side of the ball that they've made yeah. big. But the, the thing is, Big Ben is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And when you get any Hall of Fame quarterback, I don't care who it is, they're in their Hall of Fame for a reason. And that's because they're a leader and they're, they benefit their teams. Um, I have a friend who's a, a Steelers fan and we were talking about where we think they could go this season. And I said, even if the Steelers stumble their way into the playoffs, I don't think that they will, but say they get the six or the seven seed and they end up being up against someone like the Bills or the Titans, I'm not going to say that the Titans, I know I've just said the Titans look like a legit Super Bowl contender, but when you have an experienced quarterback in the playoffs against someone like Josh Allen, who maybe hasn't won a playoff game yet, it's, it's anyone's game. And that's why I think if the Steelers get to the playoffs, they could legit win the Super Bowls because they have that experience and they have that defence. Totally agree with you. Yeah, totally agree. Um, on the Steelers' side of the ball, uh, have a wee note here. Uh, Juju's been fairly quiet. His last three games, he's only had four, four, and then two receptions. Is that just because teams are just kind of putting their best corner on him, or is he kind of lower down the rankings in terms of where Big Ben's looking? I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, but I think probably the the first point on on teams kind of targeting them, I think that will become less of a problem because you know you obviously have Chase Claypool as well, who I think teams are going to start becoming a bit more aware of. Um, but I think it benefits the Steelers because if they if they the opposition defense lock up on on Juju, the Steelers have enough other weapons now to to win games. Claypool, Johnson, Washington. Yeah. Ebron. Like it's not like Juju is the only receiver they've got or the only attacking threat that they have where if teams can limit him to nothing then they'll win the game type thing. There's many teams like that in the league, but the Steelers are definitely not one of them. And that's what I mean in terms of a dark horse. I think other teams have probably not taken notice of him enough this season. Um and to be 
like the Titans, five and zero, and one of the only undefeated teams in the league. I th- I think they could, I think they could surprise a lot of folk this season. Yeah. I think you need to clarify your comments there, Adam. Uh, Juju Smith just hasn't been quiet on TikTok and on YouTube and on Instagram. <laughs> he should be quiet on the field. This guy needs to just stop dancing and actually focus on his football. It's it's starting to annoy me, and I'm not even a Steelers fan. I see him after the game dancing and stuff like that, and it just it irritates me because he has kind of fallen out of favour at the Steelers. I don't know if it's, as you said, they probably got their, their number one corner on him, but in my opinion, I think Juju is a very elite wide receiver too, like he was with AB, rather than being a lead wide receiver. I think if you put him on the Atlanta Falcons with Julio Jones, he goes back to the, the production that he had that first season with AB. But as a number one receiver, I mean, I, I, I don't think he'll be too annoyed at the moment because... He, he is a team player by the sounds of things and he wants to, to he, if he only gets five receiving yards a game and the team gets to win I think he'll be happy with that but he is pulling a lot of attention off the other younger receivers um, so I guess they can't complain at the moment because as we said they're, they're undefeated and the rest of the wide receivers are um, playing really well at the moment I think Pittsburgh were looking for Deontay Johnson to take over the Antonio Brown role to give Juju that chance to still stay in the slot yeah. and stuff like that yeah. and obviously as the Deontay Johnson owner in both fantasy leagues, he's been injured quite a lot this season, so that's not really worked, but he's hopefully coming back, and you never know, as you say, if if uh, they use Johnson as the, the kind of main X receiver, maybe Juju will get more targets in that slot. Uh, I'll just quickly touch on the Cleveland side of the ball. They didn't rush a lot, um, which is, I think we've worked out, when they rush a lot, they win games, and when they have to pass a lot, they, uh, they don't win games. I think that's the easiest way to describe the Cleveland Browns at the moment. It's almost similar yeah. to, to the Ravens, but Ravens being on a more elite level of the way that they rush. But the fact that they're in the same division, it'll be interesting to see their matchups, whether they will run the ball head-to-head against each other and what happens when one of those teams are losing. Um, so, that, that as we said, that division is just very, very interesting going forward. Yeah, totally agree. Talking about the Baltimore Ravens, Mikey, I'd like that segue. That's good. Um We'll go on to the next game. (laughs) We'll go on to the next game, which is the Baltimore Ravens at Kai's Philadelphia Eagles. Baltimore won 30 points to 28. There was a fourth-quarter comeback from Philadelphia. Um, Kai, could you talk about that last play? Um, If I could be in the mind of Doug Peterson, just for like two minutes before that play, and envision how he wanted it to go, I think... I would imagine it would have been a work of art. It would have been one of his signature kind of, not trick plays, cause it wasn't, but like a, yeah, like one of those plays that everyone's like, what the hell just happened? Um, you then go into the mind of Carson Wentz, and he's probably going, right, this is going to be good. And I, I have no idea what what they tried to do. I think it was Boston Scott that was running with him. The two of them just held on to the ball at the same time. Like, one of you let go of it for two seconds and let the other one run through. Like, yeah. I think Boston, Boston Scott was running backwards as well. Yeah, it was It was an option play that neither of them took the option and, <laughs> no. and then got in each other's way. Uh, it was fairly embarrassing. Um, I, I'll not make you touch on that too much because, you know, you could have you could have got a, an overtime game there against against the probably one of the best teams in football. My other yeah. question for you, before you go on your you know, 30 seconds, you're allowed to talk about the game for the Eagles, uh, <laughs> is what are Philly actually trying to do with Jalen Hurts? Um, I don't know. This kind of crossed my mind during the game as well. Um, 
and it kind of popped up. I, I heard a couple of folk talking about it as well. They seem to kind of use him everywhere but quarterback. And the kind of vibe I get off him is like a Taysom Hill yep. at Saints thing. He's very much a... He, he seems to be used as a like a utility man. Like, he'll, he'll go under centre in a play where Carson Wentz either isn't in or Carson Wentz, like, doesn't get the ball. Um, he's lined up at wide receiver. He's found himself rushing with the ball. Like, I kind of feel for the guy a wee bit, but also I don't really think he'll mind because he's on the field and he's getting snaps. You but see, I would quite like to see him playing in the position that he was drafted. Yeah, in. see, like, I see him hmm. and Taysom Hill as kind of gimmicks at the moment, is the way they're playing. Uh-huh. When you're the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees and you're normally uh, an above 500 record, you can afford to use gimmicks. But when you're as bad as what the Eagles are at the moment, you can't yeah. really afford to just play football the way football's meant Do to play. Do the basic bits well, then start using gimmicks. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with Jalen Hurts though is that when he was at Oklahoma as a quarterback in his last season before he got drafted, he rushed for over a thousand yards. I mean, that's you know, that's, yeah, he has a rushing quarterback, but he, yeah. he's not being used as a rushing quarterback. He's being used as like a weird like utility Trump's running back. Knife. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I I think I said as soon as they get drafted that I said this about the Eagles and about the Patriots actually that I wouldn't be surprised to see Carson Wentz as quarterback and maybe seeing some uh, designed run plays for Jalen Hurts at running back. Same with maybe Cam Newton if they were on the one-yard line and have Brian Hoyer just to kind of use him as a decoy. But I think we want to see that with Jalen Hurts, but it's just not been executed the way that we want to see it. Um, I would have even been considering doing some kind of two-point play at the end of the game with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz at the same time because that totally throws off the... Yeah. but I'm not a head coach, so I don't really know as much. But um, just from watching that game in the two-point conversion, I thought, try and bring in Jalen Hurts because it's just going to completely throw off Is there who's going to throw it. There's two options that could throw it. Who's going to run it? There's three options that could run it. That I just think that makes it an interesting play. But um, yeah, I think we will see Jalen Hurts get used more and more as the season goes. But I would only say if the Eagles are winning and with the injury problems they've had lately, they're going to struggle to pick up wins at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz with that huge big 40-yard run, I was impressed a boy of his size. He was almost like seeing a, <laughs> a, a, a Derek Henry's type physique running because I think yeah, Carson Wentz is 6'5". Uh, he's not the most mobile man in the world, does he? No, but he did well. Uh, on the other side of the ball, after a disappointing showing uh, in terms of rushing last week, Lamar Jackson listened to all his fantasy owners and gave you 108 yards on the ground with a touchdown uh, so everyone can stop complaining that Lamar isn't rushing anymore. I, uh, can I take back my trade talk thing from last week? Oh no, I'm still going to try and give you Justin Herbert. You, you're like, it's like dangling like a nice big cake in front of me because you know I like Justin Herbert. As as a the, the Hollywood Brown owner, if uh, Lamar could maybe just throw the ball a little bit more to him, uh, that'd be good. And he did could, that a couple of times this week. Yeah, but uh, you know, like the decent Hollywood Brown throws from last year when they were like 70 yards, that would be, yeah. that'd be appreciated. I think that's what you need. Yeah. But, uh, just, just weird looking at the stat sheet here, the fact that J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram combined rushed for about 74 yards, whereas Lamar Jackson rushed for 108. It's, it really is a... Consider, if you were to say that a team is the number one rushing team in the league, you would expect them to have the rushing leader. Um, you would expect them to have a Derek Henry in the team, but the fact that they don't and they have four 
players who will always get rushing yards is just very cool to watch. I love those little fake handoffs and just seeing Lamar Jackson run through the middle and things like that. It's it's just such an exciting offense. Yeah, totally agree. I think they're one of the best teams in football. And to be fair, uh, Kai, your Eagles did not badge for uh, trying to trying to come back, but not quite. Um, I think I think probably the the story of the week was was injuries. Um, minus the minus Carson Wentz and the Jalen Hart situation, that they're kind of tailing off into its second, third string in quite a few positions. Um, I think going into this week, it's obviously tonight. Sorry, against yeah. the Giants, um, Zach Ertz out, Dallas Goddard out, um, Miles Sanders out, Deshaun Jackson's limited in practice but I think he's out Alshon Jeffrey could be back for tonight um, Avanti Maddox out Marcus Epps out Kayvon Wallace out, Duke Riley out Jack Driscoll out, Lane Johnson out Kai, Jackson, do you want to see out. if you can go across and get a game? I honestly feel like I'm about to get a phone call here Aye, I think I could see um, you at wide receiver I mean, like my jersey's in the background here like yeah. with Zach Ertz in the back of it, I'm pretty sure I could probably take his role pretty well. I mean, yeah, I don't think don't you have the do same. Much, does he? Don't have the same physique as him, really. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm... Is it, that's a movie, is it not the the Mark Wahlberg movie Invincible? Because the Eagles at one point in the 80s or something did tryouts for fans to see who could join the team, and that someone got into the team. That's what that whole movie's about. Well, so maybe they'll maybe do an Invincible style thing again and do well, open tryouts. The problem with that now, obviously, with the current COVID situation, is you then have to sit there for a week and get five days of negative test, don't you, before you're allowed in the facility? So, <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. so really, yeah. Um, I, I, there's not there's not really much else to say. I think um, I think as an Eagles fan, I, I was pretty. I was pretty pleased with the performance this week. I I wasn't expecting anything against the Ravens. Like you go into that kind of hoping that it stays respectable and to finish it within three points of them and um and have that play at the end to obviously take it to a very close game. Uh, I think you can take positives from it. Well, I, I would imagine I, that we'll I, probably I, put on a better show tonight. Exactly against uh, the New York Giants, who were at home to Washington this gone week there. Love Look at that! Nah, see, these are oh, it's not going to work for the next one, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> the Giants won twenty points to nineteen, and that's because Washington went for a two-point conversion right at the end, and it was not successful. But Ron Rivera, the rival in Eagles for a bad one. Yes, that's well. I mean, to call it a bad one's maybe a bit harsh, is it? I don't know. But uh, Rivera said that the only way to learn to win is to play to win. And uh, I kind of respect that a bit. I like that because, you know, if you, if you take the extra point, you go to overtime and you might end up have, having happened to you like what happened to Houston where they didn't get a chance to win the game. So they tried to win the game there and then and I can I can respect that. But all, all in all, no I issues. think these are these are two bad teams. Yeah, I've, I've got no issues with Ron Rivera going for that uh, to, to win the game. I, I don't think... They know that this season is going to be a struggle... At, on and off the field, that they're just trying to find their identity, and th- this game isn't going to define their season. If they win the game, great. If they don't, at, at least they know kind of where they're at. Um, it, almost in a way, it gives them more information about the team and the fact that they didn't convert the two point conversion and win the game. Um, kind of shows who's on the team, who can make plays. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's not it's not the end of the world for for Washington to lose that game. Um, the fact that they did have. Uh, a fumble return uh, just when they were making a drive before they made their final touchdown drive. Um, I think I've got it here. 
can't remember the guy's name, but it was the a linebacker who was a, the 200th pick in the draft or something like that for for the Giants. Managed to return it to the house off a Kyle Allen fumble, but it was just a, a sloppy game, um, which fits in well with that division. But as I said, yeah, I don't think the Washington, uh, Washington football team will be too disheartened about that loss. No, probably not. Uh, they might be more disheartened with uh, the fact that Antonio Gibson isn't doing as uh, as he should be in uh, uh, J.D. McKissick. Is kind of the leading rusher and uh, leading receiver out that backfield. Um, I think they were hoping that Gibson would take on that role, but it certainly looks like it's a two-headed monster for the moment, and McKissick appears to be a bit more efficient there at the moment. Um, Daniel Jones only threw for 112 yards in that game. Uh, he rushed quite a lot, though, did he not? Yeah, he rushed for 74, which is more than uh, Devontae Freeman, who rushed for 61 yards. But there was less than 250 total yards of offence for the Giants, and I think that sums them up, that they're not that great. They still managed to win. Yeah, Without I mean, Saquon, they, they are just completely bland, I want to say. I really like Darius Slayton, and they're missing Sterling Shepard as well. But, yeah, they just, without Saquon, they just they don't look as near any kind of threat to any team in the NFL. Well, the good thing is... Even you. Yeah, Sorry. At least, at least yeah, got... Just just when you talk about um like rushing for the the that team who are playing that I totally forgot their name there, Washington. Um I feel like they're the only team and I say only team. I feel like they're one of a small bunch of teams in the league who don't really have a presence on the ground. They don't really have a rushing presence. I know Antonio Gibson's there, but he's he's not he's not doing what you want him to do. Um do you think that will worry them? I know he's a rookie, but do you think the lack of production out of him for a running back will be a worry for them? Uh, I don't think so. I think that they accept they're not a very good team, to be honest. And if you're not a good team, you often don't get to rush the ball a lot because you're going to be behind a lot and you're going to have to throw it. And Antonio Gibson yes. is good at catching the ball, as is McKissick. So I think the reason they've got the two of them with so many touches and playing so often is because they know they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. I don't think you should... Be that, I don't think a, a rookie year is. A, I think a rookie year is a too small a sample size to know how they're going to be for their careers. I mean, you might have people who have phenomenal rookie rushing years and end up not beginning to uh, continue that productivity, and then vice versa as well. So I think they'll be looking at the second year with better draft picks at the end of this season as well to to really come on into their second season. Um, but I think they do miss the fact that they sold, uh, or they traded away, or sorry, released, should I say, Adrian Peterson. He's he's not lighting up the uh, rushing game for the Detroit Lions, but I think that's the kind of player that the Washington football team are actually missing at the moment. It's just an experienced back who can get you first downs. Um, and yeah, I think they could have they could have done with holding on to him at least for this one season. I mean, I mean, I feel that's a bit harsh on uh, on Peyton Barber as that experienced back that could get your first downs, that they <laughs> definitely are using a lot uh, with the, like the four carries, whatever he had. Um, yeah. But but moving on to the next game, where we also had two disappointing rushing offences in this game. Uh, it was Atlanta Falcons at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Minnesota, obviously, without Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, who'd been looking really good in previous games as a backup, uh, then averaged 2.6 yards a carry. And Todd Gurley on the other side, who everyone was like, oh, Todd Gurley's back after last week, averaged 2.4 yards a carry. So uh, it wasn't great, but there was lots of points scored. And uh, Matt Ryan, my question is, uh, 
Was he just missing Julio Jones? Now that Julio's back, <laughs> he's happy. Well, I benched Ryan Ryan this week. Yeah, I benched him in Dynasty League this week uh, because I thought I'll play Daniel Jones instead. <laughs> what a silly mistake that was! I think Matt Ryan scored thirty odd points and Daniel Jones only got about eleven. But um, Mikey, yeah, did I you think... not win anyway? I won anyway, but that's not exactly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Stop moaning. I look for individual performances, you know. Um, but yeah, I think you put Julio Jones in any offense, and they're going to potentially put up forty points a game. Genuinely, that's how good a. In, in my opinion, there's been loads of talks of it over the years, but when you talk about who the best wide receivers are, longevity-wise, over the maybe the past five years, probably the two that you would mention would be Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones for me is is the best wide receiver in the league in terms of longevity uh, and production. I know maybe not this year, but I just I just love to watch him. I just think he's absolutely phenomenal and he benefits Calvin Ridley massively as well because obviously your number one corner is going to be on Julio Jones for most of the game. Quick question to you both. The Falcons are now one in five. Do you think mm-hmm. they will get to five hundred? Do you think they'll get to eight and eight? We need to see their schedule. This is something it, I- it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Um if they can keep having weeks like that where they kind of actually found another level of, of I'm just thinking without especially. without Dan Quinn, because we know how much that Mikey hated Dan Quinn. So. Um I I I still think they'll struggle. Um they would need to have a very good run in from now, obviously, to get to eight and eight, but um I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them. Well, you just quickly look at the schedule to decide that. I'm just going to quickly touch on the Minnesota side of the game uh, when uh, when you, you have a look at the schedule and make a decision. Justin Jefferson had nine receptions, 166 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that sounds like an impressive stat line, but a lot of that was late in the game when they they were already the game had already been lost. A lot of garbage time production. Don't get me wrong, still played well, but a lot of those stats were boosted by that. Um, and as I say, uh, Madison fairly disappointing. Uh, cousins with three interceptions as well, but uh, I think I think uh, Atlanta were were worth their were worth their win certainly there. Um, uh, cousins had an absolute shocker. Yes, he does not like that. No. <laughs> um, do you think? Now, obviously, again, it's still very early days. I just quite like asking like wee random questions to find out your opinions on this. Um. Do you think the Vikings are putting themselves in a position offensively to transition Justin Jefferson into their wide receiver one ahead of Adam Thielen? Not this season. No, that's what I mean. Like They're putting themselves in a position where he will become that over Adam Thielen. Oh, yeah, I think when you draft draft a first-round wide receiver, it's with the sole intention of them being your lead lead receiver uh, for for coming years. Uh, I, I don't know if we spoke about this in the very first podcast, but Two, last two drafts ago, I was desperate, desperate for the Packers to draft DK Metcalf because I'd watched him in college. I absolutely loved him, and I feel like we needed it at that time. And then this season, we were crying out for a wide receiver, and I'd been saying it because I watched a lot of LSU games last year, and I wanted Justin Jefferson. I, I, I just think that Devontae Adams with Justin Jefferson would have been, could end up being in two or three years the most lethal wide receiver duo uh, in NFL, but. Of course, the Minnesota Vikings picked him up instead. So I'm very, very high on Justin Jefferson, and I think he will be, as me and Adam spoke about yesterday, one of the best wide receivers in the league in the next two or three years. Yeah, because uh, Mikey was trying to trade for him in Dynasty, and I think 
what I was asking for him was going to be far too much to spend because I'd be looking for several first round picks in the in return. Which for is Jason. understandable. Yeah. Um, just while again, you're just making decision on my question about the Falcons if they'll get to five hundred. Justin Jefferson, uh, the, the way the Vikings got him, uh, which I found quite interesting, was they traded Stefan Diggs to the Bills for a second round pick, and then they spent that pick they got from the Bills on Jefferson. So to be fair, I think both teams right, both teams eh? have done all right out of that trade because Diggs has done well so far in Buffalo and Jefferson looks like a good one for the future. As soon as they gave up Diggs, that's what everybody involved around the Vikings were thinking is, who are we going to bring in to partner Adam Thielen? Because Thielen and Diggs were both elite wide receivers, fantasy relevant wide receivers, and that offence can definitely have two fantasy relevant wide receivers and they brought in Justin Jefferson and it's almost been like a seamless transition from Diggs to, to Jefferson. Yep, totally agree. Right, quick one-word answer. Do the Falcons make 500? No. No. Okay. They have three games before their bye, which is winnable, but then they play very, very tough schedule from week 11 onwards. Uh, Saints twice, Tampa Bay twice, Kansas City Chiefs, etc. So, no, I, I don't think they're going to go over 500. Okay, well then cut that out for when they that was, up, a, that was in one word they end up nine and seven we'll uh, make sure we've got that so. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair I, I don't think they will either but i think they'll get close i think they'll be maybe a six and ten team something like that i think they'll definitely be better uh or, or a seven and nine something like that uh they'll definitely be better now that dan quinn is not there talking about teams that are they, oh that they'll 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 um, have a favourable matchup in the coming weeks against someone like the Detroit Lions, Adam. Oh, is, is that the link we're going for? Right, okay, I like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so talking <laughs> about those Detroit Lions, uh, they managed to travel to Jacksonville and beat them thirty-four points to sixteen. My two things I have written down are Jacksonville are bad and Minshew is bad. And I've said this, I think every week in the podcast, I don't rate Gardner Minshew and I still don't rate him having watched him play again. He's never going to come in this podcast, is he? Nope, not unless he wants a fight. <laughs> <laughs> he can come on and justify himself to us. In about a week and a half time, you'll see my attempt at uh, fighting him with a moustache because we'll have November going on. So. Yeah. I don't think Gardner Minshew feels like he needs to justify himself to anybody given his personality. So, um, But this... I think all of us said that we thought the Lions would win. I just didn't think they would win as comfortably as they would. When the Detroit Lions play well, they are a very, very good team. Not not a playoff team, not a survival team. I just think they're a very good team. They're fun to watch. Um, I think we spoke about the fact that they burst out into leads and then let take the foot off the gas. This, um, I think they were, what, 17-3 up at halftime? And obviously they didn't take their foot off the gas this week, but that was because they're up against someone like the Jacksonville Jaguars. But... Yeah, a, a good performance. As long as you've got Matt Stafford under centre, I think you're always going to have a, a good chance of winning. Uh, I think he's a very underrated quarterback who got drafted to a bad team who have been managed poorly for years. So um, I was happy to see them win because I just think the Jaguars, in my opinion, they're going to have the second pick in the draft this season. DeAndre Swift breakout, Kai? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we've kind of been, I wouldn't say we've been preempting it for a few weeks, but I think we've kind of been talking about, obviously after that week one drop, um, I think the Lions decided they just didn't like him for a couple of weeks and he was on the naughty step. Um, and then was it week three or week four, um, he obviously finally got that catch, got the touchdown. Yes. And I think it's kind of, like we said then, I think it's kind of boosted his confidence a wee bit. And then obviously this week, uh, hundred and. 16 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, I think that's the kind of productivity that the Lions are looking for out of them. Um, 
I would. I'm. I'm not saying he's going to consistently do that every week now, but I think he'll probably. You'll find him uh, if he's found his feet a wee bit more, and he, he might kind of have more more consistent weeks, shall we say? I was actually surprised that uh, Swift ended up with as many goal line carries as he did. Like uh, I was watching the game, and he had quite a few yeah. goal line carries, and I thought that was that was Peterson's uh, sort of role. Um. But I say I was impressed that uh, that that they were giving them those. Uh, looking at the attempts, Peterson actually still had one more attempt than Swift, but Swift obviously was a lot more efficient, and he had some bigger runs there as well. Um, going back to my previous point in the previous match about uh, the teams in the AFC South who I think are good and the one that I think is not, this one here, those uh, <laughs> those Jags are a team that are not yeah. good, uh, and I think I agree. I agree with Mikey um, that they will. I'll be honest I thought they were going to get the number one pick and then they started off they did not bad uh, and then they got a win early on but uh, I think them and the Jets could be fighting over that number I think the Giants might sneak out of that battle but the the Jets well, the Jags I've got I think, sorry when you go Mikey yeah no I actually have the Jets with the worst record and then Jags with the second pick Washington with the third pick and then the New York Giants so but that that still includes uh, Washington and the Giants finishing two and fourteen, but just based on head-to-heads, uh, the Washington football team will have a, a third pick rather than the Giants. Um, but yeah, what were you carry on, Kai? Sorry, I was just going to say I think the 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 Giants are always going to struggle when they they get rid of someone like Calais Campbell on defense, who's the biggest presence ever, and then they also obviously get rid of someone like Leonard Fournette. Like if if you were to pick out their their kind of key player on both sides of the ball, I think. A lot of people would probably have said those two. So, when the two of them go, and you're kind of left with everything, everything else that's there, um, I think I think they were always bound to struggle. Yeah. Um, they were never think, they were never very good before. Um, they've certainly not made any steps to try and improve. Put it that way. I think one thing um, Matt Patricia will be happy about with the Lions is he still has a job. I, I, yeah, potentially. <laughs> yeah, but the, I think that the reason that they brought in Adrian Peterson was yes, he was going to get a lot of usage, but also the fact that they can he can mentor someone like DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And I think that's, which, that's what the Washington running backs need just now. I think uh, McKissick or Antonio Gibson need a uh, Adrian Peterson-type player to try and help them through tough situations. And DeAndre Swift, with that drop in week one or two, I think Adrian Peterson would have picked him up straight away and kind of told him what to do after that and how to react from it. And he has reacted from it, so... I think that's another reason uh, the Washington football team made a mistake in releasing uh, Adrian Peterson. I must say, I feel sorry for Kerry on Johnson at Detroit because I thought he played fairly well last year and he's just like yeah. a non-factor anymore, which is... And it's just been forgotten about a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, talking about running backs who aren't used as much as they maybe should be, is that a bit of a stretch for that link? Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they were at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. 31 points to 27, the Colts won, uh, having been uh, 21 points to zero down uh, late, uh, so sorry, in the second quarter. And uh, I was very worried as someone who thought the Colts were going to do very well this year when they went 21 nothing down uh, at home to the Bengals. I thought, oh dear, have I just put the curse on the Colts? Because ever since I said they might be my Super Bowl pick, they have not played well. But yeah. uh, they came back. And uh, Philip Rivers with a, a a very infrequent rush uh, for him, a, a rushing touchdown. 
Um, Not something you see every week. No, it certainly isn't something you see every week. I actually have the statistic here from the the players who also had rushing touchdowns the same week that Philip Rivers also last scored a rushing touchdown. <laughs> include players like Tim Tebow scored a rushing <laughs> touchdown that week. Donovan McNabb, who was the ex-Eagles QB. Uh, Maurice Ju- Jones-Drew for the Jags. <laughs> and do you know who else is on this list, though? Frank oh, Gore. I don't know. <laughs> Frank <laughs> Frank Gore right. scored one back there. That's was how it long. Last week or was it ten years ago? <laughs> <laughs> so it just shows you that Gore is eternal. I think. Um, but I say I was I was uh, impressed with the comeback for the Colts. They still don't use Jonathan Taylor as much as they should use him because he's five yards a rush and they're only giving them twelve rushes. Um, but I mean, I can only beat that drum for so long uh, as a Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner. I've yeah. got a quarterback comparison uh, career stats. So Joe Burrow against <laughs> Philip Rivers. Passing yards, Joe Burrow, 1,500. Philip Rivers, 60,000. Pass touchdowns, Joe Burrow, 6. Philip Rivers, 403. Rush touchdowns, <laughs> Joe Burrow, 2. <laughs> Philip Rivers, 3. <laughs> and, playing, and I think Philip Rivers has been playing for maybe 15 years more than that. So, um, is, there not, think, is there not a last part to that stat as well, Mikey? Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow, children zero, Philip Rivers. And, yeah, <laughs> and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has seven. I think they are. Um, does but, does Fitzpatrick not normally have one for each team that he goes to? I think that's why he does it. Yeah. Elevates that way, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my non outlandish claim of the careers. I think Joe Burrow will have more rushing touchdowns than Philip Rivers when oh, he finishes. There we go. Career. I think he'll have more rushing touchdowns this season. Mikey's outlandish <laughs> call of the week. I know you said it wasn't it, but I'm making it yours for today. So. I've still got mine to say, actually. Oh, we get to play that I've drop again. One. I've got this one in the bag. Um, yeah, the, the only other thing I really have to say about that is I, I thought the Bengals were like actively trying to make sure that um, Joe Mixon didn't score a touchdown. Um, as a Joe Mixon owner, the first <laughs> drive, they put Giovanni Bernard in. I was like, right, thanks. Second one, Joe Burrow took up himself. I was like, this is just not going to be my day. Uh, and then obviously Mixon decided to push himself over the line. But uh, He got one um, in the end. He got one in the end. Oh. Um, I say I, I agree when I saw Bernard going I thought well Bernard doesn't uh, strike me as the type of goal line back that you maybe nope. want but uh, it worked anyway um, but I say that I thought the Bengals weren't that bad they just uh, I think the Colts uh, actual quality came through um, they shone through yeah, yeah towards the end there um, moving on to the next game uh, it's the Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers I don't have a link for that one sorry we're just going to have to go with it um, the Chicago Bears won 23 points to 16 and here is Adam's outlandish claim of the week I don't think the Bears are actually any good I know their record suggests they are but I do not think they are a good team I think they've had a very favourable run in so far this season um, credit to them I mean you, you win ugly that's that's what Nick Foles came out after the game and said he was like I'd rather win ugly than, than lose pretty I think is what his quote was um, and I completely understand that they haven't been great to watch, but they are they're, they're churning out performances, which is very Chicago Bears like when they had the two two seasons ago. The their their D was called the Monsters of the Midwest. That's they are still a good team defensively. If you've got Khalil Mack, you're going to be a good team uh, regardless. So 
I think they are. They're just kind of churning out results at the moment. Um, and fair play to them because they're now sitting top of the NFC North. Can I? Can that I... Um, two Packers fans trying to say that a team that are above them in the division aren't that good. Right here is my. I, seem, here... I see. I, I feel like there's some sort of like, I don't know, bias here, going on here. here is, maybe here is my evidence. Okay, Chicago Bears points for one hundred and twenty-eight. The New York Giants points for. 101. They've only scored 20 more points than the Giants over the last yep. five weeks. That and the Giants are bad. Kai is currently doing a fake yawning sign to Adam while he speaks, but which is actually quite funny because whenever I try and defend my team on fantasy in the exact same way, Kai is always quick to get me down. So I think we are uh, seeing the true colours of Kai at the moment. But when you look at their schedule, Detroit Lions, they won. Giants, Falcons, Colts, Tampa Bay and Carolina. I mean, it's a, a relatively easy running, but we'll see how they are before the bye week in week 11. They've got the Rams in Los Angeles next, New Orleans Saints, Titans, and then a divisional game against Minnesota. So, And then after the bye, they've still got Green Bay to play twice. So it, it will be interesting to see where they finish this year. I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I do. I think they'll get the second position in the NFC North. I do think the, the Packers have too much strength for them, but fair play to them. I mean, I... Uh, if I could have a winning season with a team winning ugly, I'd take it 100%. Kai, even your Philadelphia Eagles have scored more points than the Bears, and you're... I mean... Trying to, like, surprise me with that. They're the... I know. Nah, well, I, can't, I can't even say that, to well, be honest. I was going to say they're the best team in the world, but... Your your team has not been playing very well this year. Your team has won win. have scored lots of points. Uh, well, comparatively to the Bears, maybe, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I just don't think they're particularly good. Uh, for Carolina, Davis wasn't as uh, dominant as he had been in previous weeks. But I actually think, watching back this game, um, the Panthers kind of threw this game away. Uh, oh, there was no, pun, no pun intended, but I mean, there was an interception quite early on that uh, <laughs> resulted in a, in a seven points for the, the Bears. Uh, I, I think I think the Panthers could easily win this game. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, I feel like it's like a, a curse of the commentator type thing when we were, we were hyping them up the past couple of weeks and um, I know me specifically uh, and you guys probably backed me up as well was that we were talking about how good Teddy Bridgewater had been and he was kind of starting to get to grips with the offence a bit and then this week he was absolutely mint. Um, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a reflection on the Panthers' season um, I think it was maybe just a bit of an off day, but like you say, I think they could have very easily won this game as much as they lost it. Anything to add, Mikey, before we move on? I just think they'd, they'd maybe just run out of steam after, what was it, three wins in a row? Yeah. Um, and yeah, as much as I, I don't, I'm not buying into the Bears at the moment, they do have a very good D, so uh, you can't take that away from them. But I think Bears this week up away to the Rams against the likes of Aaron Donald and everything like that, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that game turns out because um, you do have a kind of sluggish offence at the moment against, let's say, Aaron Donald and co. So um, I, I will probably will obviously get on to the Rams, but they will obviously want to bounce back next week against the Bears. So that will be a game I'll definitely be keeping my eye on. Yep, I totally agree. Let's move on to the next game, which was an AFC East matchup. The New York Jets travel to the Miami Dolphins, and there are talking points. To. There are talking points in this game, but we'll get to that really? major talking point after. I just have a couple of things to say. 
Miami won 24 points to zero. We saw Tua come out for a few snaps at the end of the game. Um, Just a quick update on Jordan Howard's stats. I know we all like them. Uh, he was actually a healthy scratch for this game. So he didn't. Good. He wasn't even suited up for the game. So they've obviously decided that his, you know, rushing efficiency of like 0.7 yards a carry uh, wasn't something they wanted to continue with. Uh, the New York Jets. Now a lot of people say that the Jets are a bad football team, and yes, that's true. A lot of people blame Sam Donald for that, and I would suggest that that's not the case. I think it's Adam Gase. I think we've talked about this previously. Um. The Jets with Donald have obviously got a losing record, but since Donald has been drafted, the Jets, when Donald hasn't played, but since he's been drafted but he hasn't played, the Jets are 0-8. Yep. They've never won a game since Donald was drafted if Donald wasn't playing, so uh, this team are, are bad, and they're going to get the number one pick, and me and Kai were talking about this. If they get the number one pick, and I'd be interested to see your uh, opinion on it, Mikey, if the Jets do get the number one pick... What do they do? Do they trade it away and get lots in return because people will want Trevor, or do they draft Trevor and then trade Donald away? I would say they they take in Trevor Lawrence. That is nothing against Sam Darnold because I've spoken about him in the past. I think he has a very good quarterback, and I think we spoke about maybe putting him in like the Colts offense or something like that. Who knows if if the Jets get the number one pick, could we see Sam Darnold in somewhere like Dallas because of the whole Dak situation? Would I be opposed to that? Absolutely not. I think he could maybe thrive in that offense. But this is nothing against Sam Darnold, but the the, the upper tier um, and the owners and the general management of the Jets will be looking at this as a completely wipe the slate clean, start again. And that's nothing on Sam Darnold. He's put up good good numbers, um, but it's it's time for a whole new change in, in New York uh, on the Jets side of the football. And I genuinely think Trevor Lawrence could be the one to do that. There's... There's a lot of hype around them, so there'll be a lot of pressure. And when you're a losing team like the Jets, especially if they go 1-15-0-16 this season, there'll be even more pressure on Trevor Lawrence. But uh, that, that comes with the territory, I guess. So I, I would love to see Trevor Lawrence in, a, in the Jets' offence. How much do you think, Kai, the Jets would get for Donald if they did trade him? I, I, think, you, I think they would probably struggle in getting... As much as he's probably really worth, would they get more um, trading them now? Maybe. Yeah, I would. I would say so. I would, I think they would get more now than letting it go to the end of the season and then potentially being own sixteen. And teams will look at it and go, "Do we really want a quarterback out of an own sixteen team?" I'm not saying they get much of a better quarterback out of a team that are currently own six, but um, no, I I wouldn't say that's a that's a Sam Darnold problem. Um, I, I kind of had after our discussion the other day. I kind of had a wee look, and we were talking about whether um, the Jets would be better to um, keep Darnold, trade up the pick for Trevor Lawrence, and try and build their offensive line. But actually, on further further investigation, their offensive line for this year is brand new. None of them have ever played for the Jets before. That could be why they're struggling then. With yeah, no they have. But I so I think I kind of feel a wee bit sorry for Sam Darnold and the Jets in the sense that this is a brand new offense. Aside from Sam Darnold, it's. I mean, they they brought in Mackay Becton, who's obviously a rookie, but the rest of the guys you've got a, a fifth year guard, an eighth year guard, a fifth year center. 
Like they've got it's experienced guys in terms of the league. None of them have ever played together on the same offensive line. They just wiped the slate clean and brought a new offensive line in for this year. So I I think potentially, I think they would be better off bringing in Trevor Lawrence, trying to trade away um, Sam Darnold, and then have like a second year offensive line who have all kind of at least played together for a while, and then have Trevor Lawrence in behind it and kind of see if they can build on that. Yep, here's my theory then, to go alongside that, if you think they should get rid of Donald. Get rid of him now, try and maybe get a first and a second, or a first and a fourth, or something like that. You know, I don't think they'll get like two firsts for him, but I think he's definitely no. worth a first. Uh, he's, he's definitely, I'd say, you know, a, a starting level quarterback for a decent team. Uh, trade him away, play with Flacco, who has not been great, uh, so you'll guarantee losing the games, and then you'll get that first overall pick. I mean, on 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 the subject of Joe Flacco, he's two and eleven in his last thirteen starts. Yeah, quarterback. That's, that's why he's not starting for the football team. Uh, on the other he's, side of the ball, um, they were very good. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick playing really well. You know, probably some of the best football he's played for a while. And then uh, Miami decided he's not going to play anymore, and they're going to give the ball to Tua. And uh, Fitzpatrick actually said he was actually quite upset when he heard the news. Um, yeah, I've got his quote. His quote here it said, "My heart hurt all day. It broke my heart yesterday. It's a tough thing for me to hear to now have to deal with, but I'm going to do my best with it." it just it is heartbreaking. He's he he. It's not like he was playing bad. I think he has. He's top seven in quarterback rating this season with a three three Dolphins. I mean, the guy is playing well beyond his years at the moment, and it's just it's heartbreaking for them to to pull the plug so quickly. He knew. Everyone knew that Tua was the future of the franchise, but yeah, it's it's horrible to hear that they've just kind of given up on him so quickly and moved on. I think Fitzpatrick could accept it if he was playing badly, yeah. and they'd give it to Tua. But like he's been playing really well. Like there's, I'd say half the teams in the league would happily have Fitzpatrick the way he's playing above the quarterback they currently have. You know, he's been playing really well. I think he saw at the end of the game, obviously when Tua came in, like. Fitzpatrick was so happy for him, he was so hyped up at the side, and I, I think he kind of thought that was a, like, give him some game time, he was so happy because he was playing well, the Dolphins are playing well, they've obviously got this very, very, very exciting rookie uh, to come in, and I, I, it kind of annoyed me, I was sitting there, like, annoyed when I saw the decision, because I would really like to have just seen Fitzpatrick see the season out, or at least be given the chance while he's playing well to to kind of guide the offence for the season and then you bring Tua in next season like we said last week there's no rush to bring him in um, and if if he comes in and they start to have a kind of downturn in form does it then start to look bad on Tua because Fitzpatrick had played so well and the Dolphins were playing well it'll be interesting to see how it goes I'm not saying Tua's not going to play well because I think he's obviously got the quality but um, it's a bit of a What's the one for it? Like a precarious situation? No, situation um, where they could end up kind of damaging his reputation a wee bit. Don't get me wrong, it makes sense for the change to happen just now because they've got their bye week coming up, so they've got a fortnight of practice with Tua under there. You know, it's it's best to do it over the bye week to give you more time to prepare for your first game. So I I think the timing in that sense is good, but I think at this point Miami might have thought they'd have been doing worse and it would have made sense for Tua to come in. But yeah. now, now maybe it, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. But No, I don't you know. think it makes sense at all, to be honest. I think when you're a... I wouldn't even say when you're a top 10 pick. When you're a first-round pick as a quarterback, 
you know that the the keys are going to be handed to you for the offense in the immediate future. I think one of the only kind of reasons against that would be Jordan Love for the Packers because that was a bit of a shocker. Um, but Justin Herbert, you knew at some point in this season he was going to come in. He's came in earlier. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow started straight away because they needed him. You knew that Tua was going to come in at some point when he was the fifth pick. But I, I don't know if this is part... He's very well liked, even before he made it to the NFL. He was a very popular figure in college football. He was a national champ in 2017 as well. But um, And I think also his jersey is one of the top 10 high-selling jerseys in the UK. So I think he's got a, a big fan base worldwide, for obviously the fact he's from Hawaii as well. But yeah, I just I really do feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I personally think Fitzpatrick will have started his last game as an NFL quarterback. That's what he said as well. I think he said that was one of the things. That's not an outlandish Oh, is that not your outlandish pick? No, right, sorry. Not yet. Um, We're getting to that. I think that's what he said as well as part of that, like off the back of that quote and kind of what he said in his statement and stuff was that all the things that run through your head when you hear that kind of decision, especially because he's he's been in the league for so many years, like is that the last time he gets an NFL start? Is it the start of the end in terms of his career with the Dolphins? Like... There's probably a lot of a lot of things he'll be thinking about, but if I was him, I, I probably I probably would kind of be worried because if Tua comes in and does well, then Dolphins aren't turning back. If if I were if I were Fitzpatrick, what I would do is I'd say I've played for Tampa Bay uh, in Florida, I've I've played for Miami in Florida. There's another team in Florida that are really bad with a really bad <laughs> quarterback, so maybe I should go to Jacksonville and take that job and actually do something there, and I wouldn't even have to move house because I'd still be in Florida. Exactly. That's my hypothesis there. Um, I saw an interview with Fitzpatrick who actually said something, I know we've touched on this for quite a long time, but it's quite a big uh, story in the week. Um, Fitzpatrick has said that it's it's a really weird thing because he was sat in a Zoom call with the person who is equivalently, it's an equivalent of fire him, but you're still working yeah. for that person who's just fired you. And then yeah. he was in a socially distanced room with the person who's taken his job. You know, because they're still in the quarterback room doing whatever they're doing. You know, it's 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 really, and sports one of those unique things, especially when you've been dropped, but you're still in the squad yeah. that you you've you've lost your job, but you're still there. Yeah, because you're still floating about all the time. You're still very much actively involved, but you know fine well that there's another guy there who's got your job, and there's not really much you can do to get it back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel sorry for him, but I feel as if we've talked about him far too much now though your beard is majestic um we'll have to move on and we'll move on to one of the uh, other florida teams oh look at that another great transition do, do we have to talk about this game though uh the tampa bay buccaneers at home to the green bay packers 38 points to 10 the packers went up 10 0 poor game for the packers let's move on um right so <laughs> <laughs> i think as you two have said i think there is more to be said about the bucks than there is the packers yeah mikey um, I'm, I'm sad so you can talk about them I honestly don't have much to say about the Packers side of the ball. I know Aaron Rodgers threw his first picks of the season. Um, I think it was only his third ever career pick six as well, which really shocked me because I know it's common for quarterbacks to throw interceptions but and, and pick sixes as well. But um, the the one thing that I heard the commentators say which shocked me was obviously the Bucks bears game on Thursday Night Football the week before. The Bucks had 11 penalties for 109 yards, and that's what I said in the podcast. I felt that that's what helped the Bears win that game. This week, the Bucks had no penalties in this game. It's the first time the Bucks have done that since 1983, 
and those two occasions were the only two times they've been able to do it in franchise history, which just blew my mind. Jesus. So they went from giving away 109 yards and 11 penalties to, to no penalties for only the second time in their history. Tom Brady's influence starting to be on show, is it? Has a... Yeah, as we said, it, does, it doesn't matter. I know the Bucks are a very good team and I think their D is top three, top five. But when you've got a quarterback on any team that is that kind of quarterback, like a Big Ben or a Tom Brady or a Aaron Rodgers, you're going to win games and you're going to play well. Um, yeah, that's not much to say on the Packers side. They, they ran out of steam. Um, it was a poor showing in a game. Probably, I don't think the bye week helped them, but yeah, it's just one of those where you've just got to move on. Um, big game against Houston Texans next week, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think when you're talking about the, the Bucks D and, and how how good they are, um, obviously Sean has in our league and... Um, Seems to score quite well every week. Uh, maybe aside from this week. Sorry, Sean. Um, the one week he plays against Bucks Mikey. He <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously dropped the Bucks D this week, but um, the Bucks are the first, or the Bucks D, sorry, are the first team since the Vikings in 2006 um, to allow less than 100 rushing yards in 12 consecutive games. So the last six of last season and the first six of this season, they've not allowed any more than 100 rushing yards. Can I also just point out that that Bucks D, especially the D line, which I think is amazing, still did that job today without Vita Vey, who's been quite yeah. an important part because he's now uh, on IR with a broken leg. And uh, I, I think this Bucks defence was hugely underrated going into the season. Don't get me wrong, I didn't rate it going into the season. I'm not going to claim yeah. I was an expert, but I don't think anyone thought, oh, you know what's going to be really good about Tampa Bay? Their defence. Their defence. You know, Especially uh, when you've got someone like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski both coming in at the start of the season. Like, the defence probably just did their business without really wanting notes. Exactly. I mean, Gronk turned up again. Uh, he's starting to kind of grow into this offence. I'm slightly worried that we're going to end up with the Brady-Gronk <laughs> partnership that we had in New England because yeah. uh, five receptions, 78 yards, one touchdown. And Gronk, he's... I find it amazing watching him because it never looks like he's running particularly fast, yet people fall over when he goes near them, like when he runs into them. And I thought, he doesn't look like he's got that much momentum. But Yeah. Like he's just so another, big. <laughs> yeah, he's just another freak of nature. There's a handful of them playing in the NFL just now. Um, I would say probably Aaron Donald, Derek Henry. Gronk is definitely one of them. His performance haven't really been great lately, but um, you've seen it. He's probably the best tight end of all time, maybe up there with Tony Gonzalez, maybe, but the, yeah, just unbelievable. Um, and anybody who's not a fan of the Bucks should be afraid of the Brady Gronk partnership because it might start to get more and more potent as the as the season goes on. So remember my outlandish pick, right? The first episode of this podcast where I said that uh, the Bucks might win this division. Well, uh, this is one thing that I've I've got written down because I, I love narratives. I love seeing cool stories that happen. Basically, the, like the Alex Smith uh, storyline, the the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup in September um, and the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series, the baseball yep. World Series at the moment. Having all three Tampa, because they don't have a basketball team, having all three Tampa Bay teams winning their World Championships, it would be very cool to see. And for Tom Brady being the, the last team out of those Tampa Bay outfits to do that, I, I would love to see it if the Packers don't get to the, the Super Bowl. It would be very cool to see. I must say it would be. Make a claim just now that's not really that outlandish, that won't happen. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's this Kai's outlandish pick. There we go. It won't there's, happen. <laughs> there's um, Kai has basically on this podcast alone 
totally disregarded Bill Belichick and totally disregarded Tom Brady. I don't think anybody's did that before. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sh- both like massively overrated, don't they not? I'm sure all those Super Bowl rings might say differently. <laughs> <laughs> the silence versus all. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm. We talked about that game too much because the backers weren't very good. So we'll move on to the next game uh, quickly, as quick as I can. Um, a team that hadn't played particularly well previously were the San Francisco 49ers, but this time they were at home to the LA Rams and they won the game, twenty-four points to sixteen. Uh, there are passing game struggles for the LA Rams I've said here but all in all I think this NFC West is very strong and I think again at the start of this uh, series of podcasts at the start of the season I said that I thought the NFC West might all be above 500 and at the moment they're all 500 or above so I'm not that yeah, far off I think you it? could be right I think you could be right um, I, I was just I, having watched the game and kind of um, like you say Rams kind of struggled a wee bit. Me and Mike had had a conversation at the start of the season where we were just saying how Mikey was like all in on the Rams. I think you said I'm not saying you were, but like that was your comment at the start of the season, and I kind of tended to agree because having watched Hard Knocks and with the kind of personnel we had, I thought they would have had a really good season. And I'm kind of starting to think we might have been expecting a bit too much of them. Um, Can I also point out that a... you're you're talking about a four and two team as if they're really yeah, bad, I'm, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not saying that, like they're a bad team. Um, they just, I, I think there was maybe, I think we, me especially, I think I think I kind of hyped them a wee bit too much at the start of the season, um, probably because I'd seen more of them than I'd seen anyone else, having watched hard knocks. But they've not got the most experienced run game at the moment. Um, Obviously, Cam Akers coming in. I've got Daryl Henderson, uh, Malcolm Brown, and stuff like it's not a very established run game. But I think over time, um, throughout this season, they've, obviously the first six weeks they've shown that they they all have the ability. Um, I think I think the Rams could be a, a team that maybe grow over the next couple of seasons. Could grow into another good. Um, I, I keep saying good teams if they're not like they are a very good team. But I feel like to win this division, you need to be exceptional when you've got someone like the Seahawks in it. Yep, I agree. Uh, the running game for the Rams, uh, I can't quite remember where I saw this now, so I apologise for not quoting my references. But uh, apparently McVeigh said that they like uh, Brown as pass protector. So when they're passing, they're going to put Brown in to protect the pass. Uh, Henderson as a runner, uh, they're enjoying uh, him as the hot hand at the moment. Um, so that leaves Cam Akers really with not much to do unless Henderson starts to struggle I don't think Akers has got a huge role in this team probably not so much this season um, he, you've kind of seen it obviously he's been injured kind of on and off a couple of weeks but I think he'll probably play more of a bit part role um, they'll kind of chuck him in where they need him but he's not really going to have a, a significant starting role at any point um, but yeah i uh, I think the Rams will. They'll probably they'll have a good record this season. They'll be a good team, and I, they probably will make the playoffs. I think if they kind of keep the way going, keep their play going um, the way it is. But nobody's going to win that division, but the Seahawks. Yeah, it's, it's weird because I said I'm all in on the Rams this season, but in saying that, I think the NFC runs through Seattle. I, I, it's weird that I, I didn't expect the NFC to run through the Rams. I think that's why I'm all in on them. I don't it's not not when I say I'm all in on them, it's not like I'm gonna say they're gonna win the Super Bowl. I just think that they look like a very good team this year. And 
four and two, I think they are just now. And yeah, four and two. Two, two, two matchups before their buyer against at home to the Bears and then away to Miami. So very well could be six and two. You don't know. Um, but then again, Chicago playing well and two, I could light it up. Um, they could be 500, so on four and four. So um, I just think that, yeah, they're a very well coached team, um, even without, as we said, like a, an out and out number one running back. Um, but this division, again, probably one of the toughest divisions in football. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if all, all four teams were over 500 at the, at, at the end of the season. Talking about out and out uh, number one running backs, uh, the San Francisco 49ers lost theirs. Raheem Mostert with another injury. Um, yeah. And it was expected that McKinnon would come in, but it looks like they don't like McKinnon in first and second down rolls. They give it him third down roll. And Jamichael Hasty, I think that's the boy that came in. Yeah. J- Jamal, I, I can't quite remember what his name is. I don't say his name. I'm glad you said it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's Jamal Hasty or something like that. Uh, he came in. Um, this is going to be interesting for the, for the future because I don't think Coleman's back either. Um, and I think, has Jeff Wilson got an injury? or I don't know quite know why he wasn't in because normally he's the next one up in that backfield. But um, the passing game, again, went through Kittle. Seven receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. And Garoppolo uh, didn't throw any interceptions. I think uh, after that uh, time off to recover properly from the, the injury, I think they talked about the, the reason he got dragged off the last time uh, that uh, he, got, he got taken off at half time, we were talking about that, and it's since come out that he hadn't fully recovered from the injury that he had. He wasn't quite able to step into his throws. At least that's the excuse they were given. Again, we talked about that earlier. Uh, Kai was not liking people who take folk off and then blame injuries. Um, See, if you're not fit to play a game, just don't play. Don't play like half ready or like. It's not how it works in the NFL though. Like they, they will play with they can they will try and play with a broken neck. That that's the problem with a lot of NFL players. They'll try and play with concussions and stuff like that. Which if, you, if, if you're a head coach, just like yeah. don't don't put them in. If he's not fat, like just put someone else in. At the end of the day, like the the buck stops at them. So if you don't think someone's fit and they're not 100, percent why would you risk a team playing so badly just to get them snaps? Especially someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not if he's short of a couple of snaps, like. He doesn't need the experience. Yeah, very true. But uh, I was impressed with the 49ers. I, get, I think I think yeah. all these teams are going to be at least 500. It's going to be a really competitive division. Could we have, for the first time ever, because obviously they expanded playoffs to seven teams, four teams for the same conference, uh, sorry, for the same division get into the playoffs? In the playoffs. Is that allowed? Well, well, it, obviously it was. It used to be six, so you had the, the four winners plus two wild cards, but you've got three wild cards now, so... I don't know if there's yeah, a rule. It would, take a, it would take a very weird circumstance for that to happen, I think. But um, yeah, it, whoever doesn't make the playoffs in this division, whether it's two teams that don't make it or just one team or whatever, will be very hard done by because it's a very, yeah. very tough division. But just with the 49ers and the Eagles, both of them with fully fit rosters, this NFC so would, just be say. would be a lot different. I, I, yeah. I genuinely think that because they are two teams... They're both playoff teams, hundred uh, percent. When they're both fully fit, they could go deeper. That well, I mean, 49ers are a playoff team. Uh, sorry, a Super Bowl team last season. Uh, Eagles have won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So it's it's a shame that they're both struggling so much with injury at the moment. Um, but lucky for Packers fans around the world uh, at the moment and other NFC teams. Yeah, I, I just I, backing on from your point there, um, Mikey. 
if if they are all like eight, you know, uh, eight and eight or even higher than that, I feel sorry for whoever does get in the playoffs because one of the teams in the NFC East well, it's probably going to be well below 500 and get in because yeah. they've won that division. And, uh, yeah, exactly, which is horrible to see. A team with a winning record not making the playoffs and potentially a team with a losing record making the playoffs. But that's the cruel world of sports. Exactly. Uh, we'll move on from the, the cruel world of the NFC East uh, to the AFC East, who the Kansas City Chiefs, they travelled to the AFC East's Buffalo Bills and Kansas City won 26 points to 17. Um, Josh Allen struggled again for the second game in a row after having a good first couple of ga- uh, first four games, I think, of the season. He started off, a, I think, one of us in this group may have quoted possible MVP for Josh Allen at some point. I think so, it might have been you, I, Mikey. No, I mean, I, I said MVP, and I also said that I thought the Bills would get to the Super Bowl. Oh, was it so. Kai that said it? Sorry, Mikey, I'm yep. quoting you. They're, they're quoting the wrong person. Um, but uh, <laughs> If it goes well at the end of the season, I'll take the, <laughs> the credit for it. I, I need thought to, it was definitely Mikey. I need to go back and listen. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he struggled the last two games. But on the Kansas City side of the ball, uh, the main talking point for the game was Clyde Edwards-Halea with his best rushing performance to date um, with many, many yards. I'm just getting the stats up just now. I think it was 160 161 on 26 attempts. Now, I know the weather was really bad. It was very wet, so they weren't wanting to pass the ball a lot. Um, but 161 yards rushing, still no touchdown because it keeps getting stolen yeah. off him. He had one that got brought back. Um, but what happens in that backfield now they've got Lev Bell? I don't know because they've obviously got. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've got, Ed- got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They've got. Um... Darrell Williams? It's Darrell Williams, isn't it? Yep. Damien Williams has opted out. So yep. Darrell Williams, Le'Veon Bell, Darwin Thompson, like... Tyreek Hill, who's a big Russian threat as well. He scored a touchdown, what, two, two weeks ago? So, like, are they going to become a run-heavy offence? And then, like, what implications does that have for someone like Tyreek Hill or, for example, like, Sammy Watkins, etc.? I, I, I just don't know how... It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, obviously, Bell's quite a... a prolific pass catching running back um, so does it change the kind of picture in terms of of um, Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball as much the general, I, I don't know, I really don't know <laughs> the general consensus from what I've heard from other fantasy experts and league experts of which I wouldn't suggest we are at the moment but you never know how we become experts we'll put ourselves down Yeah, is that Lev Bell will kind of take over the uh, Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson role and Clyde edwards Hilaire will keep the first and second down row. Yeah. I think the Le'Veon Bells even came out and said that he's planning to reinvent himself. I think he knows he's not going to be the running back he was in Pittsburgh um, with the, the Chiefs. So, listen, I think he just wants a ring. I think he's, if, I don't yeah. know if there's any basketball fans listening as well, but he's basically doing what Kevin Durant did when he joined the Golden State Warriors. An, an elite player in his prime joining a team where he's guaranteed to win a ring, basically, in the next couple of years. So um, I think he knows that he's coming towards the end of his career and he just needs he needs that ring to kind of cement his legacy. Um, I don't know right now if he, he would... I don't think he'd become a Hall of Famer right now. I don't even know if he'd become a Hall of Famer if he won a Super Bowl. Uh, but I think he knows he's getting towards the end of his career and this is a, a small window for him to win a, a ring. I have a suggestion for how they might use him. I don't think they are going to use him this way, but I thought this was quite interesting. Can you imagine them lining him up as a receiver? 
whether it be a, a slot receiver, you know, because he's, he's really good at catching. So something like a, a slot receiver, you've got Watkins and Hardman bombing it up the up the pitch, and him and Kelsey, you know, catching the the dump off sort of sort of thing. Yeah, well, in, in my Madden season at the moment, I've got Le'Veon Bell as my second running back, and he he lines up in the slot quite a lot. Not through any choice of mine. That's obviously just the way the playbook works. But he lines up in the slot a lot as a wide receiver. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen him, uh, him and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the field at the same time, but Le'Veon Bell in the slot maybe trying to, to uh, do some pass catching. Only reason I ask this is because I, I really could do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, not losing touches because my running back room is getting <laughs> quite thin at the moment. Fan- <laughs> fantasy bias that is, yeah. <laughs> Certainly is. Do we well, have anything to add in the it'll game? Be interesting to see like, kind of what, what implication that has on Tyreek Hill then is because... Obviously, Tyreek Hill has not been the Tyreek Hill of the past this season so far. Um, I'm not saying he's not been good, but it, he's kind of struggled a wee bit more, I find. Um, so I don't know whether like absolutely cramming up that backfield and maybe taking away his kind of shorter receptions. If you do put Le'Veon Bell in the slot and have him catching passes, I, I don't know whether that then takes more away from um, someone like Tyreek Hill, but... Um, I don't think the Chiefs will be worried about having that as a problem. No, um, I, no. I, I, I don't think Andy Reid will be losing sleep over the fact he, he might struggle to fit someone like Levy on Berlin. He's not exactly short of options. No, I, th- I think it's fairly interesting because this would definitely be uh, probably the best backfield that the Kansas City have had for quite a yeah. while. And obviously we know them as a fairly pass-first offence, but is that maybe because you know their backfield's not been great? They had... Uh, 46 total rushing attempts I know some of them would have been scrambles for Mahomes but 46 rushing attempts compared to 26 pass attempts this week again the weather will have something to do with it but uh, I think especially if they can be leading in games then uh, I, I think Bell and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire will have value for both of them I am going to move on to the last game of the week which has quite a few uh, interesting talking points in it um, it was the Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas playing their first full game since Dak uh, went out with that season-ending injury. Uh, and Arizona absolutely demolished. That's what I've been using for a few of the games so far, but demolished uh, Dallas 38 points to 10. Uh, Zeke fumbles the ball twice. Dalton throws two interceptions, but I don't think Dalton actually played that bad. Um but uh, certainly, Zeke with 12 rushing attempts and Pollard, uh, Tony Pollard came in with 10. So do you think they were a bit uh, unhappy with Zeke after those two fumbles? I know that's an obvious question, but uh, Zeke, uh, not normally one who isn't the, the kind of workhorse back, uh, split carries with Pollard there. Uh, but Elliot did get eight receptions in the game, obviously with them being so far down. Um I just think a, a poor a poor game for those Dallas Cowboys fans. And one of my favourite things at the moment is the, the meme that keeps appearing on the internet, which, uh, are you sure you, you're still them boys? And each each week that someone else wins, the quarterback appears on it, and it's just gradually building and building up. <laughs> I'm very uh, much enjoying one it. Thing, one thing I, I noticed as well was that I've seen something on social media that the Cowboys players are saying that the coaches, which is a Super Bowl winning coach and Mike McCarthy with the Packers, apparently the coaching staff are quote-unquote totally unprepared 
and they can't adjust in games and they just aren't good at their jobs. I, I heard mean, that is, as well. This is a, a shocker because I really thought Mike McCarthy was a perfect fit for the Cowboys. I think everything he's done in Green Bay, I've got, I've got no bad feelings towards Mike McCarthy whatsoever. I think it's maybe overstayed his welcome just a little bit um, and his relationship with Aaron Rodgers wasn't what it used to be towards the end. But um, yeah, just shocked that the Cowboys are struggling so much and the Dak injury just piles on top of things. But um, I think Kai and myself were talking uh, the other night about the Amari Cooper touchdown drive, which must be the most boring touchdown drive in NFL history. It just was awful. Here's a shout for uh, Fitzpatrick. Uh, Fitzpatrick could very easily go here if Dalton's not playing well. That would be fun. Uh, that could be interesting. Yeah, with those and receivers. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, I think if they took Sam Darnold, it would be the most ginger quarterback <laughs> whatever. Um, I think... Uh, sorry. sorry, on you go, Mikey. On you go. No, no, on you go, sorry. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. That's why I was asking you to go. <laughs> uh, no, the, this is more on the, the Cardinal side of the ball. One one stat that I've seen that I absolutely loved is uh, Kyler Murray is 7-0 and at the AT&T Stadium, but this is only his first NFL start here. Um, so basically, he's from Texas. He played at Allen High School where he was 5-0. and um, Then obviously he was at the Oklahoma Sooners in college and was 1-0 yeah. there and then won his Cardinals debut at AT&T Stadium. And people on social media, I just love it. Somebody posted uh, or re-edited the Wikipedia page for AT&T Stadium, and it says, location in Texas, former name, Cowboy Stadium, address 118T Way, and owner, instead of Jerry Jones, someone has edited it to Kyler Murray. (laughs) And the operator is the Arizona Cardinals defence. <laughs> Just things like that. I absolutely, absolutely love to see it. It's hilarious. I'd quite like if they changed location to uh, Kyler Murray's back pocket. That Possibly, would... yeah. He was, there you go. There's he was one dominant. for you, Mikey. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, dominant. I think as well, just I've remembered what I was going to say earlier. I was obviously, um, I'd, I'd put, a, put a, a little bit of money on a couple of touchdowns on Sunday night. Uh, so I was waiting on uh, Ezekiel Elliott to get a touchdown for some sort of return and I was kind of hoping considering he usually gets all the goal line work um, that he would get at least one so obviously on that Amari Cooper touchdown drive the ball I think it was on like the, the four or five yard line and I was thinking come on just just give Elliot the ball just let him run with it Feet and then obviously they throw the ball to Amari Cooper um, yeah not a good not a good night for the Cowboys in general uh, they were very poor on, de- uh, on defence as well I think they just have a bad defence, full stop, doesn't matter. It's, it's just not very good at all. I think, um, I meant to check this before we started, but I think they have one of the, the worst points against in the league, um, which, considering their record, isn't a surprise, to be honest. Um, but they they seem to just manage to outscore teams um, rather than shut them off. Uh, yes, uh, the Cowboys uh, so far in their six games have had 218 points scored against them. Uh, yeah. The next highest team is the Vikings with 192. And uh, then the Browns, not, not Jets, good on Falcons. I mean, th- these are all bad teams that have conceded a lot of points, obviously, because that's the way the league works. Uh, Andy yeah. Dalton had uh, 34 completions for uh, from 54 attempts, continuing on from Dak, who was having hundreds of attempts and he was playing as well. On the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, though, 
nine completed passes. That was it. What? Nine completions. Now, fair enough, one of them was a big 80-yard uh, touchdown run for, for uh, Christian Kirk, but nine completed passes. For 188 yards. 188 Which yards. Which is good because we've spoken about this in the past. That I think on one of the predictions, I picked the Cardinals when I shouldn't have for the sole purpose of I've got Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake in my fantasy team. And out of nowhere, Kyler Murray has now become the number one fantasy quarterback in the NFL, which has shocked me. Um, he's just quietly putting up fantastic numbers. But Kenyon Drake, who's been very poor, not just in terms of fantasy, just this season, um, 164 yards this week on 20 attempts. Uh, it's good to see, because I, I said in last week's podcast that I was worried that uh, him and Edmonds would share the backfield. Um, but it's good to see him come back and put in a big performance as well. I think he had a quote, um, I don't have the, the exact quote with me, but he said something that uh, his mum gave him into trouble for not rushing as well as he, he usually does. So I think that's why he put in the big performance at the weekend against the Cowboys. And my mum tells me off in that. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously got to look at the... Obviously, it was a good a good day for Kenyon Drake, but sixty four of those one hundred and sixty four yards came in that like garbage time touchdown rush, when it honestly looked as if the Cowboys had just given up. None of them could be bothered chasing him. None of them could be bothered trying to tackle him. There's a there's a, just looked as if they just stepped back. And there, there's a picture that Andy Holloway for the fantasy footballers. Uh, I'd put up on Twitter and it was just a picture of Drake and he was the only one in shot. It was taken from behind him and running <laughs> and, and saying, oh, good to see that he found that channel, you know, or whatever, like, you know, that running lane, you know. It's honestly like wider than the bloody channel tunnel. And also, I think it was, um, was it Buddha Baker and Pat- Patrick Peterson were running along the sidelines. They were the first people yeah. to get to Kenyon Drake. Usually you see like a Cowboys player kind of running in behind, but nah, they'd given up as soon as he'd kind of broke the plane and ran through uh and the people that weren't even on the pitch were the first people to welcome him uh, uh, to celebrate the touchdown. To, to be fair, the way that the Cowboys' defence play, it's almost as if they give up before they even get on the park for the kickoff. <laughs> um, I think I think that offensive line has struggled as well after the loss of a few players as well. And I think uh, basically they're just going to have to keep throwing it as they are and hope that hope that something will eventually stick. But they're just they're, they're certainly struggling. Um, the Eagles have surely got to win that division. Looking at the other three teams, uh, but I think, um, considering there's now no Dak Prescott in Dallas, um, Washington are v- ridiculously bad. I, th- I think if the Eagles can start getting people back from injury, I think Dallas Goddard's due back in week eight, so at least we've got one of the two tight ends. Um, if we start to get more receivers back, Miles Sanders maybe comes back. Um, I think I would like to hope we could we could win that division. Um, uh, but I still, I still think that potentially we might win the division with a losing record. Yeah, I, I think we said last week or the week before that if the three of us played in the NFC East, that we as a team might win that division. So I, I don't think it's going to be hard. Be right. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything else to add, or can we move on to our predictions? Good. I have nothing, nothing more to say. Good stuff. Now I need to remember where I put that whistle. There we go. I picked the right hey. one. That's our two-minute warning, which means we're on to our projections. And I hand over the hosting duties of the show to Mikey, who tells us all about the predictions uh, from this week. And uh, while he gets ready, I get the, the schedule up from last week and work our way through the games. And he tells us how everyone's done this week and uh, how we've also done for uh, the the season in total. 
So, Mikey, can, can I just ask? So, do you do you two check the predictions to see who won beforehand, or is this all brand new information to you? This is new to me. Yeah, it's new to me as well. Right, I wasn't sure. Kai seems like the kind of guy that checks to make sure to see if he's won for the week or something. I'm, I'm not a saddle can, like can, you, mate. Well, well, can I just point out that Kai is a little saddle because behind the curtains, okay, Kai has his notes for the show printed on paper that has our PHFL logo on the paper. So you can't claim not to be a little saddle. What happens when you don't work for two and a half weeks and you're bored? Whereas you had me at the start of the podcast doing like scribbling notes on a piece of paper. I mean, I mean, I'm not quite as unorganised as that, but I did only get like three hours sleep last night because I was still up writing my notes. So we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That deserves at least another 20 followers, I think. Fingers crossed, we'll see. Um, So let's go on to the predictions. We had the Patriots at home to the Broncos. I assume we were uh, all wrong. We, we had a, a wrong clean sweep. We all said the Patriots, yep. Yep. The Titans at home to the Texans. Adam, for some reason you picked the Texans. I'm not really sure why. I mean just, I wasn't This is Adam that's sitting in a Texans t shirt at the moment. <laughs> I mean I mean, see to be fair, with like a minute to go, I thought I was right. Yeah. I mean yeah, that's not it could have went either way. Yeah, with yeah. Four seconds to go, you were nearly right, Adam. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so I was wrong there, unfortunately. The Steelers at home to the Browns? Kai said the Browns, actually. This is the one that I was on the fence for as well, but uh, Adam and myself picked the Steelers. Good, Again, good. could have went either way. The scoreline <laughs> does not suggest what we were all projecting before the yeah. week happened. I really did think the Browns were going to win that game until I changed my mind last minute. Uh, I don't rate Baker Mayfield, so I didn't think the Browns were going to win. Um, the Eagles at home to the Ravens. The Ravens won that game. Clean sweep for the Ravens for us all, yeah. Can you believe Kai didn't even pick his Eagles for that game? Shocking, shocking. What a lesson for last week. It doesn't matter what I do, you'll slag me for <laughs> The Giants at home to the football team. I didn't say it wrong this time, I normally do. The Giants yep, won that you game. Picked, you picked the Washington football team, Adam. Uh, myself and Kai picked the Giants. I had faith in Ron Rivera. Yeah, well, two-point conversion at the end. Like yep. Again, could have went either way. They were all close games this week. Yeah. Um, one that wasn't close, however, just to contradict what you just said, the Falcons beat the Vikings. And then to contradict what we've just said again, we all had the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another not close game. I think that was a poor call for you saying there were close games this week, Mikey. Uh, the Lions beat yeah. the Jags. Uh, we all had the Lions, yeah. Good. Uh, then the Colts beat the Bengals. Close game, but we all had the Colts. I, w- I was very worried. At the start of that game, that our predictions yeah, are going to be twenty-one nothing up. Um, I thought we were all wrong. The Bears beat the Panthers. Myself and Kai had the Bears. Adam, you had the Panthers. Again, understandable. Um, yeah. Before the game, could have went either way. Before the uh, ball was kicked. Uh, the Jets uh, lost to the Dolphins. Surely we all picked Dolphins. We all had post game that. Yeah. I don't think anybody's picked. <laughs> Pick the Jets. We actually, me and Adam, we picked we, the Jets again. We, we you picked, picked them the Jets to, to beat the Broncos against yeah. the Broncos on Thursday. I will not make that mistake again. Although, the... can I just make a side note that although I said that I think that the Jets will finish 0 16, if they fire Adam Gase, they'll win the first game after the Adam Gase era is over. So that might change my prediction. I think the Jets will win every team. game after they sack Adam Gase. <laughs> Super Bowl bound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the Buccaneers beat the Packers quickly. Quickly. We had Packers clean, clean sweep. Moving on. All right, moving on. Good. Uh, the the 49ers beat the Rams. Uh, Adam, you got this one right. You had the 49ers. Uh, me and Kai had the Rams. Woohoo. Um, 
the Bills lost to the Chiefs. Yep, we had a clean sweep for the Chiefs. And the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Again, me riding with Kyler and uh, Kenyon Drake, I had the Cardinals and you two had the Cowboys. I can't believe I picked the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I did either. <laughs> no, I've got no idea. Um, but what were the scores for this week then, Mikey, and what were the total uh, so, table? In third place for just a week alone, Adam on 7 out of 14, so 500 again. Above a have, year you, have you finished anything other than third in these predictions? Uh, no, yet? no, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Ty in second place with 8 out of 14. And I was the winner this week with 10 out of 14 correct, which means that the total scores, there is now a joint tie at the top. But in last place, but also second place. Yeah, is second, Adam not last, second. 30, 30 out of 59, so you're above 500 again. Yep, I'll take that. Plane. And myself and Kai are both on 38 out of 59. <laughs> eight so eight points crazy. ahead of me. <laughs> I, I really want this to be a tie one week, because for the last two weeks I have picked the best tiebreaker tie team. For, for anybody yeah, that, that but, doesn't know, we pick a, a tie-break player that's outside the top 10 at a specific position, and whoever scores most fantasy points will, will win that tie-break. This week it was defences, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, but um, we'll see what it is for next week. I, I, I took I mean, the Dolphins, D, by the way, who had a shutout. Oh yeah, they did them well. But when you when you look at it as well, the you're only eight behind Adam. That can change in two weeks I, easily. I, so if you and Kai don't play one week, then I have a chance. Adam would still oh, finish yeah. behind us because <laughs> I'm obviously like seven. I I haven't actually given my uh, outlandish claim oh, of I, the week. Oh, Mike's oh, outlandish claim. I'm getting the. We haven't spoke about this team because they were on a bye week. All oh, right, okay. But uh, judging by what me and Kai have spoke about this week since the last podcast, I actually think he will agree with me, which is uncommon for the outlandish claim. I think the Las Vegas Raiders. Make the playoffs with an eleven and five or a ten and six record, and I think they'll beat the Browns and the Colts to the playoffs in the AFC. Mikey's outlandish claim of the week. Should never get a professional singer in to do that. I mean, you have <laughs> got a professional one right here, so we're okay. <laughs> uh, I would. I would tend to agree with you on them making the playoffs. I'm not so sure about the record. I but... feel 11 and 5 is quite high. So I don't think yeah. I've quite get it to I that record. Their, I ran through their schedule and I don't know. I'm, I'm liking Derek Carr this year, Josh Jacobs. Uh, that That's mine. Um, and the reason that I think that the Browns won't make the playoffs instead is obviously because they're in the same division as the Steelers and the Ravens. And the Colts are they're in the rubbish. same division with the Titans. Colts are in the same division as the Titans, and I, I did say that I think the Texans will have a better second half of the year. Um, so I, I don't think the Colts will make the playoffs. I know one of you said I think it was yourself, Adam, about them maybe making the Super Bowl, but yeah. I don't think Philip Rivers has got what it takes to do that. So I see. I think I think actually that's the bit of the pick that's maybe slightly more outlandish is the bit the fact that the Browns and Colts will miss out. Yeah, that's Something. quite a, a mouthy, wordy, um, outlandish claim. So that's Raiders making the playoffs. The type of record that they'll have and who they'll beat to the now, playoffs. Just, just to, I'll add it to my notes for I, the year. I was going to say, to clarify, that Mikey is making a note of all of these. Um, so we're trusting him not to change them throughout the season. Uh, he's making a note of all of these, and uh, at the end of the season, we'll see how many of them came true. Should be interesting. Yeah, we'll do our own league table. We'll see if he's uh, if he's below 500, he'll have to do a forfeit. Is that? <laughs> Although, one thing that I don't think will happen. That sounds now, good. I think Justin, Justin Jefferson's a lock for offensive rookie of the year, so... 
like you're putting money on Justin Herbert and the Burrow last week. Yeah. Oh, I forgot you had that bit as well, yeah. But yeah. Um I think that's us. We've done everything. That's unusual. Um thank you for joining us, uh Kai and Mikey. Thank you for, for joining us this week. We look forward to uh to speaking again next week with another slate of games. Um wait, before we before we broadcast this, oh. who do you think will win Thursday night football tonight? Oh that's true. We need to do the prediction for Thursday night. Eagles Giants. The Giants are going to win it. The Giants. I'm going with my team. <laughs> you just have so many injuries, yeah. I can't back you. Yeah, Boston, uh, and, uh, Boston Scott Masterclass incoming against a leaky Giants defence. Le- yeah, yeah. I, 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 start, I think the Giants. I think it'll be a very I'm sticking game. with my team. You can slag me either way. Yeah, that's fine. Well... There you go. The two of us, the Packers fans, vote against the Eagles fan for that prediction there. So thank you for joining us, Kai. Thank you for joining us, Mikey. We'll leave it there and we'll speak to you both next week. See you later on. Bye.